Today, we've got Wizards, Nebulas, and hey, Evil Queen Uhura. <laughs> We're talking the Elysian Kingdom, Episode 8, Season 1, A Strange New Worlds After the Jump. This episode of Commander's Log is brought to you by Geek Renaissance. Need that special gift for the nerd in your life? Love supporting small business? Look no further than Geek Renaissance. The artist, Sephra, makes all items by hand and will boldly go to the final frontier for your unique gift. Head over to geekrenaissance.company.site and use the code FLOBITO, that's F-L-O-B-I-T-O, to get 10% off your order. Don't forget to follow, like, and share Geek Renaissance on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Oh, yes, this is Flopo Boys, Chief Communications Officer of the USS Post Show. But it's not about me. It's about the captain. Look alive, because captain is on the bridge. What's going on, captain? Hello, Flobo. Hello, everybody who's joining us. Thank you for doing so. Ah, another week with Captain John Weber. How was everything going? Everything's good? We did the rounds? Inspections 125%? You know, um, having given up my beard... Uh, as I did, uh, as you know, an ultra powerful universe controlling entity, uh, put us all in danger and I had to sacrifice my beard. Sacrifice. Yeah. Come back or is it, is it gone forever? Well, you don't remember cause there's a missing five hours. So you, you don't remember any of this. <laughs> Hi Kirsten. Beard. Kirsten says hello. Hey, Kevin Kirsten Marie supported the show. Support her command as long. Uh, yeah, man. Um, I'm good. I'm good. You know, I've, I've been working on a, uh, a little project that Flobo and I will present to you, uh, this Sunday on Starbase 80. Wait, we, we are? I have a whole new approach to doing Starbase 80 now. Uh-oh. Remix! Watch the show. Okay. Take notes. That's something I always do. Find the story. Where's the story? Oh, we're going to film school, I see. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's plot. What's the story? <laughs> Shout out to Bill Dill, who was my cinematography teacher, who shot the sh shot the movies such as Jason Goes to Hell and Babs, but continue. Damn. Oh, 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 that's awesome, actually. Those are both awesome movies. Uh, yeah, you know, honestly, I, I've learned so much, actually, like in the last few years which is crazy because uh, i've done less as a performer and as a you know creator uh in many ways in the last few years but uh but more in many other ways so you know in terms of getting hollywood work we were talking about this a, a little bit in the past in terms of getting hollywood work you know it, it can get a little rough when you hit a certain age or you know you 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 age out of this kind of person you become that kind of person to directors and casting and all that. Yeah. Um, but I'm learning a lot more about going beyond just the package here, the beard or whatever. And uh, a director I'm working with right now has a great line, which is tell the truth. Yeah. And as you pointed out, you're telling a story, a story is characters and actions. It's as simple as that. Great, huge ideas that have never been done before. That's not that important. Yeah, it's not that important. 
and uh, that actually happens. Uh, Craig Robinson is with us. Hello, Craig. Welcome aboard, Craig. Uh, ta, Greg. I, Craig. Uh, ta. I think I think that's a greeting over in the UK. Ta. 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 <laughs> cheers. Oh, cheers is always good. Cheers, uh, Craig. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> My family would just say good night when they walk in the door. Good night. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, Joe Townsell says Riker tried save shaving off his beard once didn't take. Although John is a handsome devil either way. Well, aren't he you sure is. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I was wondering that before we went live today. Uh, let's talk about this episode. The Elysian Kingdom, episode eight of a 10 episode season of strange new worlds before we get into the nitty-gritty before we get into the brass tacks before we get into the grains of everything question at the top of the bow captain thoughts about the episode overall um i keep thinking that this show is one thing and then they keep breaking that i keep forgetting no more. <laughs> I keep, keep forgetting. Michael McDonald is the best. Did, did you know growing up and listening to Doobie yeah. Brothers? Yeah. I always thought listening to Doobie Brothers, I'm like, oh, these are like Southern guys, right? And they're probably black and they're probably like from New Orleans or something. Yeah. And did you ever think the lead singer was a white dude? From I got, I got that one right, but I, I will I will swear to you to this day I swear Rick Astley is still black. There's a black guy <laughs> back behind the stage dubbing over his lines. I could have sworn that was a brother. Do, do, do. Oh, <laughs> it has to be a black dude. <laughs> you, know, you know the one that breaks people's brains, which I love because it's actually pretty good. Is um, uh, oh my god. I think it's Dan Hartman. It's from the Streets of Fire okay. soundtrack in the 80s. I can dream about oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> that blue eyes dreaming, I can hold you just right. Little tiny white guy. Little tiny white guy, man. Yeah. But but you sorry, soft track, but you were saying about, <laughs> so about the track. formula of the show, which is kind of interesting. Uh, because it is an episodic program. So what you're saying about that? Well, I mean, there's a certain seriousness that the series starts with. And uh, that's kind of common to us viewers of the new Trek shows. There's a, there's a certain, you know, tragedy and, and like gravitas that everyone is forced to carry in Picard in discovery. Um, and so far the very beginning of strange new worlds had a lot of that. So um, La'an uh, Nunyan Singh is carrying this great, you know, emotional weight. Uh, Captain Pike carrying this tremendous emotional weight. Dr. Mabenga, um, we find out, probably not, it wasn't in the first episode when we find out about his daughter. But um, yeah, there's like these secrets and these dark, you know, cores to these people. And then you'll have an episode like Spock Amok. It's just wacky. Yeah. Get all the whack, yeah. <laughs> and this one, this one, okay, it's it's doing the thing that I love right now that really good science fiction is doing, and it happened in the movie Dune, okay, which came out just recently. Um, it it's happening in The Man Who Fell to Earth, which I don't think I've discussed with you at all, but I've been watching it. It's on Showtime. Uh, it is an Alex Kurtzman 
Am I getting that name right? Probably. Uh, it is the executive producer of this show is the executive producer ah, yep, of the Man of Fell to Earth. And dude, it is amazing. Like I, I can't, I don't know that many people who have showtime. We do at, at my house because my sister just insists on having it. Uh, and <laughs> the benefit. Yeah. Well, the benefit of that is I never saw this show coming. I never said, oh yeah, I definitely am looking forward to it. And now that I'm watching, it's like one of the best sci-fi shows on right now it is fantastic so yeah uh i i love kind of the seriousness and the gravitas that's going on with these shows when they break it 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 could piss me off it, what for some reason it doesn't you said it could why it could i don't understand um because there is a part of my brain that is that canon cop yeah you know, how the episodes I hate objectively, I hate them all, but you're saying it could <laughs> be bad and it's not bad. So like, how does that work? I mean, the, um, I'm trying to figure out if I've changed or if Star Trek has changed. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I like things. I like a place for everything and everything in its place as, as a fussy sci-fi fan. And yet when something like strange new worlds keeps mixing it up on me, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like what it was two, two episodes ago, you know, uh, Lon Nunian Singh is funny. All of a sudden <laughs> she's funny. Why do you say so disgusting? She was funny <sighs> for a change. That's, that's my thing. That's not her thing. <laughs> you don't get to be pretty and funny. And guess You're what? Right. In this episode, she's pretty and funny. She's oh, wow. Hilarious. I thought episode. you would have hated that. Okay. Uh, I did too. I yeah. I'm watching and I'm going, why isn't this making me angry? Yeah. And, and honestly, I can sum it all up um, very quickly. Do it. And that is Jump around. We've all seen the episode. The quality of the performances are so good that in this one, I'll just say this. Every, everyone gets caught in a situation where due to powers beyond their control, they are forced to behave like characters from a storybook. And they behave in a silly way. And I just loved it. It just yeah. made me so happy. I don't, I guess I've seen enough of strange new worlds that I know what normal is, so that now when they go abnormal, I can appreciate it. And it's funny. I tease really you, Captain, episode. but I but I'm with you. I, I think that there's a part of me that was kind of like, oh, here we go. Another of these wacky zany episodes. Only the yeah. first season. Usually that's a season two or season three thing, but they're coming at you fast. But you know what? Like everyone played against type enough for me to go, okay, I totally get everything. So just to get a little backstory in, because that will give us more time to talk about the random stuff of this episode. It seems that Mimega is trying to get closer to find a cure for what's assailing his daughter when ultimately I thought it seemed that he was inhaling the wrong kind of chemicals. But it was a twist, baby. Yeah. Uh, and a book comes to life. Question off the top, though. It was a story that was new to me. I think it was completely fictional for this world. Yep. Did that bother you or did the, the episode do enough of a good job to get you along the ride to understand what was going on in the world and the story and what's happening on the screen? Yes. Excellent question. Um, yes. To the second thing. Um, I don't like the, but if this happens, then that happens because I don't know that I didn't read the book. And as far as I know, this never would have been an actual book. Like yeah. I, I don't, I don't know that you achieved anything in the story that you're pretending exists. So it made me nervous. I, I will say that it's like, Oh, is it, 
going to be one of those stories where you just have to keep explaining things to me over and over again because I don't know what the story is. Making reference to some, making reference to something about which I'm completely ignorant. That's not fun. Lead me in with things that I kind of know and I kind of understand. Oh yeah, you know how I have a Sarbase eighty. Wait, what's a Klingon? <laughs> <laughs> Who's a Gorn? <laughs> was it Prime Director of General Order One? Someone let this me know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a yeah, that's a very good comparison. It's like it, when you've tried to watch Picard. You didn't oh, yeah. get most of those references. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, a, I'm, yeah, it's a hollow experience. Absolutely. I mean, abundantly clear why Discovery season two had to do what it did. But for a new fan, I was kind of like, oh, this isn't for me anymore. And so I had to like have like the spark notes, you know, have like the the the, the pearls on one column and the original text another column. I'm just like, oh, oh, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why are I view mean, screens just a problem? Oh, because some fans complain view screens didn't appear in season one. That makes sense, right? Like it's just <laughs> became this whole thing. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it's a um it's a it's a downfall of uh fandom and it's actually quite funny that they put us in the situation as the viewers. So even the most, you know, salty old viewer like me is still like, "Wait, wh who's that now? What's what's happening? Wait, why Spock bad? Wait, what?" Yeah. Well, I I would say that you're sweet, not salty. Ah! <laughs> and I'm a softy. Uh so <laughs> I'm so here's the I'm thing. I, yeah, hey, hey, yo, what I'm talking over here. He's a softy. Softy uh, over here. Yeah. Okay, kids are running around the street. For, actually, my neighborhood was more of a good humor truck neighborhood, but Mr. Softy is a, a institution. Look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. So Mbenga has this thing that I thought was going to be solved. Uh and we'll jump, we'll jump around here. Spoilers okay. for those of you who are listening who have not seen the episode. Please watch the episode before we get into this one. Because I want to go to the end. I want to go to the end first. For the longest time on this show, Commander's Log, the premiere of One Stop Shop for New Trek, uh, Star Trek Discovery, and Star Trek Dreams of Worlds, we were thinking, we were kind of theorizing that maybe whatever was going to happen between Mbenga and Zukia would be the reason why Mbenga is not the chief medical officer of the Enterprise when Kirk takes command. But it seemingly got resolved towards the end. If you want to go into detail, you can. But is that throw a wrench into plans? Do you think it's still going to be a thing that will get the Mega demoted or will it be more voluntary as things go on? Um, well, you know, let's let's remember um a lesson we've learned from watching Discovery is uh your favorite doctor does not have to be chief medical officer. That's true. You know, you you don't your your hero doesn't have to be the boss. Your hero can be a really, you know, incredibly talented, deep uh talent like uh like Michael Burnham, uh like um Dr. Culber. Dr. Culber is not chief medical officer. He's actually right. who I was thinking of at first. Right, absolutely. And, and but we love him. Absolutely love him. Uh and and that's a good question. Joe Townsville asks, still possible. Uh, the Dr. Mabenga getting trouble for, for hiding Rokia in uh, a transporter buffer and not telling anyone even until he's found out. Yeah. Uh, is there a statute of limitations, asked Joe Townsville. Yeah, we, we don't know. So my my gut reaction is to say, oh, that's so bureaucracy. But then what is Starfleet, really? Like, yes. <laughs> what, is, what is United Federation Planets with bureaucracy and rules and all that stuff? So you're probably uh, you know, right. On one of the Star Trek groups on Facebook, I saw that entire stupid-ass 
conversation oh, yeah. happen where somebody was saying, um, now you and I on Starbase 80, we have not yet watched the Captain Jellico episodes. We have not. From uh, Next Generation. And um, Captain Jellico is a by the book, barring bureaucratic leader. And it's so funny, all of the people who take his side and go, he was a great leader, and, and uh, in the military, you follow the, him no matter what, and you don't question, blah, blah, blah. And that wasn't what people were talking about. People aren't talking about your duty to follow an officer. Yes, you have that duty. What people wanted to talk about, and that's a very real thing, is that some people in leadership are not particularly talented. Fair enough, yeah. They have rules. They have, you know, the definition of the job. They have uh, military experience. They have, you know, they they went by the book. Uh, those people advance just as often as the risk takers, the imaginative, your Picards, your Kirks, your Pikes. Um, you know, they're all in the same stew. And you have to accept that sometimes you get a nice chunk of meat, like a Captain Pike, and sometimes you get a potato. Like that, a Captain Jellico. That, that's deep, man. Are, are, are you potato or are you meat? Are you like a vegetable? I'm all meat, man. All meat. <laughs> Rancid, in fact. You might have to cut some pieces off me. <laughs> the butcher well, did not remove the fat. I'm just going to say that. Okay, I'm sorry, Mr. Voice. You go well, back. we did say you're a softie, but now you're saying you're marbled as well. That's great. Uh I'm marbled. <laughs> fat means flavor. Uh, yeah, it does. It absolutely does. So I gotta ask, and I don't, I don't do this to make fun of you, but I, I like, I like to say that you are, you are the conscious of our show, right? You're a captain that leads with his heart. How many times did you tear up in this one, man? Seeing the resolution of what Zakia could be, being one with Anabelia at the end of this episode. Okay, all right. Do you ask me that because you would ask anyone that, or do you ask me that knowing? That I cry really easily. <laughs> you know what? I'll give you full context. So I, I for one, was not a fan of the Mimega storyline going into this episode. I felt that I there was man, many... It wasn't bad necessarily, but too many beats were repeated. And yeah. to the point where when Una was like, take some rest. I was like, really? You, just, you brought her back to be another side quest character and, to, and just be bureaucratic? But it has a resolution now. And yes. I wouldn't say I teared up, but I was like, oh... Hmm, I guess that's a cool way of ending it, seeing someone off into the afterlife without having an afterlife. I would cry here if I had any emotion. But you have emotion, so I wonder how you felt. <laughs> I'm crying just remembering crying. <laughs> I cried so hard. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Craig Lubin says, leaders who say I versus we as an example. Former is a boss, latter is a leader. It's funny because you, you read that with Craig's picture next to it, he sounds so smug about it. <laughs> you know, leaders is I versus we, for example. <laughs> okay, Craig's smart a, man, Craig. <laughs> Craig's a super smart guy. He, <laughs> totally he never he yeah. never fakes the funk when it He's comes gonna to He's going to calculate his... my beat down when he sees me. Not what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I don't know. I don't know all of what it is. Um, what's mm -hmm. that episode where the genius little kid alien comes on board? We just watched it. It's the oh, uh, where suffering cannot reach or something along those lines. 
uh, that's like the shortened version of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> lift, lift me up, lift us up to where lift suffering, us up can, I... suffering can I reach? It's like, oh, was someone give me the actual title on that? <laughs> yeah. I'm so, I, I'm so sorry I made you like guess that. I should have looked it up myself, but I am so lazy. <laughs> uh, well, in that episode, the super smart kid does some quick you know, detective work and figures out that there might be somebody in the transporter buffer. And he, uh, he basically, you know, reintegrates. He basically tr transports, um, Rakia. Uh, lift us where suffering cannot reach. Confirm. Lift, yeah. And, and so the two of them are playing and just having some nice time together. Viewers challenge for this episode of Commander's Log says Joe Townsell is make Captain John cry on camera. <laughs> what do we get? Uh, no, but it was a tender moment. In all seriousness, it was a tender Very, moment. Have, being right. able to see your child off and and then some, some would say it's kind of cheating, though. Having Zakia be an adult saying, you made the right decision, Dad. I'm okay. I've, I've learned and I've grown. Thank you so much for letting me go. It's funny, I thought that too, and and yet there is actually in Star Trek a uh, fairly common trope of a uh, child being aged magically. Uh, it happens to the Keiko O'Brien family. It happens to Molly. Um, uh, it happens in one of the... In the episode where Q gives his powers to Riker and Riker... Shows us the grown-up Wesley Crusher, because Wesley really wishes he was an adult to match his intellect, and that Sucker. would help him. And uh, and of course, they use some you know bodybuilder soap opera actor who doesn't look anything like the grown-up. <laughs> you must believe I ever have a flashback. The guy who plays him, he's going to have rippling abs. I don't see why they wouldn't. <laughs> That is a requirement. That's true. That's true. I'd be like, it's okay if he has curly hair, but just as long as he's got beautiful shoulders and a chest on him. That's what, and not this double chin. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny to me that, um, that they bring that back here, but it also makes sense uh, in the science fiction sense of, you know, she's friends with a nebula God. And the nebula god basically goes, hey, let's go do stuff for like, how old was that woman as the grown-up Rukia? Oh, like late 20s? Late 20s, I'd say. I mean, yeah. you know, a, a, a very mature adult, a, a real adult. And, um, and she's happy and she's okay. And honestly, maybe it's that I'm the age of so many grandparents. But I... I I saw that and I went, wait, no, no, I needed this. Thank you. Yeah. I needed to know she was okay. I needed yeah. to know that being taken from her father wasn't a terrible thing for her. Yeah. Um, and the fact that she could go back and she did. Uh, yeah. That's all I needed. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we can it can be argued that this is hokey and that this is storybook ending. Hmm. hmm yeah. Storybook ending. But I was happy with it. I didn't feel like they made me accept more things than I was ready to accept. One of the cool things about Star Trek is that, well, when it's when it's hitting, 
sometimes they, when it misses, it's a whole different thing. When it's yeah. hitting, you can draw parallels to any kind of belief system to it, whether you are agnostic oh. or so. So to have, if if you were to take a Judeo-Christian and take on what happened this episode of being with an entity that resembles the ancestors or mother or, or Deborah, literally, mm-hmm. it is kind of like going to heaven if you believe in that concept. So yeah. I was kind of cool to see. And so, I mean, granted, the definition from a Boltzmann brain was kind of awkwardly thunked into the exposition of the script, but it helped me understand what the hell was going on. So that was, because there was a time in there where I thought the consciousness was Zakia, and that would be another story altogether. Right. I thought that would have been too paint by numbers to be like, it's her consciousness. Let's get her back in the pattern buffer. Yeah. And that would be classic Trek, too. Like, oh, the powers are out of control because she's so young. That's very Star Trek. They've done very Sukal. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And and that's right. Right. Very recent with Sukal. Yeah. Good point. I mean, uh, the good news here is she doesn't have to be alone. Oh, God, I'm going to cry again because. Dr. Mabenga's dilemma is so layered and so tragic. He can only call her out of the transporter for short amount of time. And every time he does that, she dies more. Mm-hmm. And he's bearing this incredible, lonely secret that Una knows. And Una is really cool. This is another thing that I didn't realize we were going to get here. I I love Rebecca Romaine's character. I love how she plays her. Um, number one is number one in my book. Actually, technically number three. I like Pike and Spock more, but but that's just I me. Disagree. She she's wallpaper, man. She has oh, really? Any, she has nothing anything that were if you she did not exist. You can give those lines to Ortegas, and it'd be the same exact show. Let's um, be real. Well, you know, you've got a. I, I hear what you're saying. But I can't quite agree because there is a um, (laughs) Kevin Richardson says the young and the restless boarding school effect. I loved it. Capital loved. (laughs) There's a um, yeah, I I, I get a I get a sense that, you know, they they take advantage of us as fans a little bit. But I kind of expect that. That's okay. That doesn't upset me. Does that address the problem? I kind of forgot what I was saying. Uh, it, it doesn't address the problem quite yet, but Kevin is something that's really cool. Making Una no nonsense about Heartless is great. Most shows don't get that mixed right. So my issue oh, is with the character Una is fantastic. I think, number one, understanding the role of, of being the, the executor of Pike when need be. But like Pike, understanding there is some nuance there is fantastic. I guess my concern yeah. as a fan what eight episodes in now that it, as for someone who's deemed a number one, it is not essential. It's like being on Starbase 80 and there's two guests in the show and I'm there too. You know, the two guests and John are just so well into Star Trek. I'm just kind of going, <laughs> and it's kind of like, you don't really need me there. Right. That's why I feel like it was, that's why I feel like Una could have been used a lot more. Maybe she has her own stories we haven't really scratched the surface For on. Sure. Maybe season two will have it. Yeah, but yeah. I, I never feel like she's essential to a plot like I have, like with the Spock episodes or even with the Aurora storyline. Right. I hear you. Um, and I do want to remind you of something that gr- uh, Chris Pitcher says, Greeting gents, just drop by to say hi. Hi. Hello, Mr. Pitcher. Oi. Uh, the, um, the thing about Una so far is they're kind of showing that she is redundant. And I get being disturbed by that. 
that is not how you make a TV show where you go, we got an extra captain over here. She pretty much can do whatever the captain does, but he does it so she doesn't have to. Moving on. Like, I get that. Um, you know, we got a little bit of her backstory that she is an alien, that uh, she's not human. She uh, is uh, en enhanced, which is against the rules um, in Federation. Uh, and they are kind of hiding her out. They are kind of like, hey, you're, you'll take her away from us over our dead bodies. Absolutely. Uh, Kevin Richards says, agreed, they need to make Ina feel essential. Kevin Richardson is nailing it today. Downtown, wow. Kevin Richardson, can't be stopped. He's on fire. And I do see that coming up. What they're doing right now is they're using people stories about people. Uh, as you know, that's one of my bugaboos with television writing. It's like what people think is interesting about television plots is telling us people stories, but we are specifically watching a sci-fi show. So sure. I'm happy to see a people story, but I need my sci-fi. I need ray guns or galaxies or nebulae or whatever it is. <laughs> and I am feeling that, that I get that with strange new worlds. Well, uh, as we go through the, the hallucination, the fantasy, and even though I have my personal favorites in hot, happy nurse, uh, nurse Chapel and Evil Queen Uhura, let's take a look at this. Ortega's is Sir Ardia Picus, uh, Sir Amand, and Bego's King Ridley. You need to sing as Princess Dahlia, Hemorrhage Wizard, uh, Castor, Spock is Pollux, uh, Uhura is Queen Nev, and Una is Amir the Huntress. Any one of those characters really stuck out for you? You mentioned Nunyan Singh, but anyone else stuck out for you in their new forms in this fantasy? Um, I do love. I, I don't know that everyone who likes Hammer feels this way, but I do feel like, oh, good, a good Hammer episode. Wow. He's only I been mean, like in three of them, though. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, but he was a hyped character. And I, I'm a fan like of Andorians. I think Andorians are super. Yeah, cool. you are. You have an Andorian, like, not a fetish, but like a, a fascination, I think. Absolutely. Like me with the Barzan people. <laughs> I'm, I have made Flobo watch so many episodes of Enterprise that have Shran in them. And Flobo, as far as I could tell, you're just like, uh-huh, okay. And yeah. I'm just like, it's Shran, it's Shran, it's Shran. You know, if, on Discovery, if, if if like Commander Non shows up, we're doing a two-hour episode. So I get it. <laughs> it's not my cup of tea, but I totally understand. <laughs> to each his own. <laughs> but I, I um, actually, I'm taking a look at the, um, uh, Kevin Richard says in chat, uh, where was Hammer last week? Vacation. And that's the thing. They're very much recurring with Hemmer and that's fine. That's fine. Cause I assume he'll be a regular, uh, if not now in the future, I do like the character. I want the character to do so much more, but Joe Townsell brings up kind of where, <laughs> where my feelings were Pike and Laon were the standouts in the fantasy story. And I think because the actors were like, wait, I get to do what? Well, then I'm going to do it a hundred percent. Yeah. So Captain Pike's character becomes this like, you know, butt kissing toady who's scared of everything. Which is just amazing to me because I can't remember me watching a lot of late Pyridans and Mount stuff. So I thought he was just playing himself as Pike. But to have him play <laughs> something different makes me appreciate Pike more. I'm just kind of right. like, oh, I'll totally deal with some Mitch. Like, who says that? <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> Pike wouldn't do that. 
when when we watch the naked now uh which is an old uh the next generation episode um it was early in uh tng that they did it and yet there is patrick stewart who's established this very stick up the butt you know very no nonsense captain really kind of a gruff leader and yet he's doing all this silly stuff and yeah. i love that 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 is a the, the mark of a great actor to me is someone who goes oh i get to do something different well i'm yeah. really gonna do it i'm gonna freaking nail it the thing i loved about pike was his hair's parted down the middle right and he's just like this mm, God. And that's so not Pike, who's got the hard part in the hair with all that stuff. It's a big Mount Everest of hair, and he's just a big, you know, strapping captain. I'm also jealous of the guy with salt and pepper fox like yourself. Uh, but I want to say, even though I was trashing on Dr. Aspen last week when she turned evil, evil horror kind of makes sense because it was a fantasy world. So right. please stop with the hate mail being like, why you be liking evil horror but hate evil Aspen? I'm just saying because it's totally done for laughs here. Uh, but Kevin Richardson says, uh, I love that you could tell the actors are having a blast. You can yeah. also almost yeah. hear them say, and we get paid for this, a score. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, uh, we don't know how many episodes they recorded before this one, but let's just assume they went in order. And, you know, what, this is the eighth episode? Yeah, Flo? eight, the, ten episode season, episode number eight. Right, so um, they've established these characters, and also, you know, um, Pike and Spock were already established from Discovery anyway. So we, we've got this incredible, um, you know, fun, this incredible break that they get. Yeah. and. And yes, you know what? I'm totally overlooking the evil queen Uhura. She was amazing. Uh, and hopefully she's single. Wink. <laughs> as far as I know. Joe's like, know. she's evil, bro. Yeah, and no, no, I would let you date an evil queen. <laughs> I totally Thanks, John. You <laughs> get a call if you're out of one. I'm in a dungeon. <laughs> Why didn't you stop me? Uh, <sighs> pick up the shield, pick up the sword. <laughs> let's go, let's go pick up my friend. So let's talk about funny characters real, real quick. Because the two the two characters I want to see head to head, which we prefer. Would you prefer another episode spin-off of Ortega's character, Sir Ardia? You know, yeah. sword swinging, having a good time with Zamir the Huntress, because they know each other really well. Wink. Or <laughs> or Discoveries Mirror Reese. You know, that's another character you love so much. Wow. 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 Yeah, because, you know, this did remind me of a mirror episode in, in some ways, too. Uh, wow. I mean, I think the mirror episodes are always going to win for me because Ooh. these people have lived their entire lives being evil and uh, and going through the circumstances circumstances that they've gone through. Uh, and Reese is a perfect example, and I wish I could remember the actor's name off the top of my head, but he he had a backstory for his character, which made his character what it was, which was he came up through the ranks as a drug dealer. <laughs> Freaking love. It's so not Star Trek. Right. And, but it's so much of the story that he was a part of, and he just plays that. He plays that so beautifully. So... I love that kind of sustained character. These characters, I didn't feel were sustained. I wouldn't be happy to see any of these characters back, except for Rakia uh, and Deborah. 
Uh, you don't want to hear it. Our... You don't want to hear an epic song of morning. <laughs> no. You want to I loved that? her. I <laughs> loved her in this. I have given that actress so much crap. Oh, you have. I always had a super cut at the ready, like a clip of like you being like, oh, you mean saying, oh, baby con. Oh, she tries too hard. <laughs> why? Why does a little girl's mood have to determine the plot of my show? <laughs> <laughs> Sweet rocking chair, the cracker brow there, John. No, I totally get it. <laughs> well, I mean, what she does in this episode actually is put every one of my insults on its head by basically playing Paris Hilton in space. Yeah. And and she's hilarious at it. So I think actually this goes and proves she needs to work on her serious characters a little more. Oh, she, I fear. I hear you. I'm with she, you with that. And as a director... Uh, I'm granted I'm a theater director, but if I were working with her, I'd I'd be like, I hope you always remember how good you are at this. Wait, hold on, you just can't drop the nugget that you're a theater director and just walk away from that. You are th you are director of the live arts entertainment, sir. I've I've directed yes. some theater and I'm gonna direct some more. I used to teach uh back when I was in New York, I I taught um sketch writing classes and a lot of my uh, students went on to become comedy writers, although they were always going to become comedy writers. It's not because of me, but I definitely gave them a stage and a show that I directed them in. Uh, yeah. I've also directed a bunch of improv groups and, and crap like that. But I mean, you know, as far as theater, you know what, Captain, you're going to send me to the break, but how dare you? <laughs> How did you come in with all this lifetime of Star Trek knowledge, knowledge of acting and directing and comedy and professional wrestling and performing and be like, I'm just a dumbass. I don't really know anything. That's terrible. You're an expert. Many times over, Captain. Here's the problem. Put your own horn, damn it. I was going to do it for you. If you if you weren't doing this right now, I had a plan. What for when people would know that I was good at all these things. And that would be during my eulogy. <laughs> you so you're going to throw a smoke bomb at life just to avoid saying what you can do well? <laughs> well, I mean, look, you know, you know how it is. Could you live in L.A.? I mean, if you're not successful by other people's standards, you're not successful. Put well, him in the brig. <laughs> Put him in the brig. Put him in the brig. Okay, now, but look, with Emmer, please. So, so, so I'm gonna say real, something real quick. Even though I, I kind of make fun of it because it is kind of a footnote of American history, and that is right. Homeboys in Outer Space, which you oh good pilot, lord, which which you appear in the pilot, and you didn't appear in the episodes thereafter. No. But as a kid, where there weren't many of us in space, yeah. <laughs> right? And Men in Black was my favorite movie. Homeboys in Outer Space was appointment viewing. It was something to sit down and watch people like me to do things and you were a part of that you are legendary and you go on this show be like oh, fuck it. oh, oh no, i'm just a little captain i don't know things or whatever shut up i won't accept this <laughs> you're a pro <laughs> you're a pro dang it <laughs> when sitcoms pretty much took a hit because of reality television and don't get it twisted there was an actor strike yeah uh, between yeah. you know right around 2000 in 2000 there was an actor strike and because of the actor strike, that pushed reality television, which was already doing really well over in the UK, um, that pushed it over on these shores even more. And it actually got so bad that a lot of sitcoms just didn't get renewed and just were lost to time. When sitcoms were king, 
there were black sitcoms. Mm-hmm. You had Homeboys in Outer Space, for example, Homeboys in Outer Space, uh, uh, The Hughleys, um, Wayans Brothers, and I appeared on all of these shows. And uh, my kind of comedy really melds in well with a black sitcom. <laughs> There's there's no judgment there. It's true. My sense of humor does pretty well with black folks and, and black executive producers and black directors and black casting people. And uh, yeah, white people don't like me that much. <laughs> yeah, I can relate. I feel the same thing, bro. Those that, that golf club, that country club style. I get it. <laughs> and and I don't know what it is. I think it's. I think it's a little bit what you experience, Flobo, which is like, well, uh, you know, you you're not you're not usual, you're not typical, but also I fear that maybe you have enormous genitals, and I'm very offended by that, and I'm not going to hire you. And right, I think that's why <laughs> I think that's why I didn't get hired as much. I mean, really, when you're a tall, strapping man like I am, people resent that, just like when you are a handsome, strapping man like Flobo Boyce. Stop! You gotta make me cry on this episode. But uh, I had a lot of shots, and actually, Flobo deserves shots. So if you're out there and you're in show business, help out, Mister Boyce. Would you? Yeah, man. All I want is a manager, man. Just give me, a, give me some, give me some bookings. Uh, my favorite quote of the week. Now uh, I gotta move on before it makes it too awkward. Is when, is when, is uh, when gets to the bridge the first time, and he's seeing what's going on, and he's like, "This is a kind of joke." And uh, so the Pike goes. Hold the gesture. Well, I thought that was pretty cool because imagine a court gesture in space. Like, what does that even mean? I That's wanted that gesture to come in. Who's the gesture? Yeah, Who's is it the... is it Kyle? I thought it'd be Kyle. It's gotta be Kyle. Kyle is the only guy who wasn't <laughs> represented on the show, as far as I know. Where's Kyle? Right. Uh, so let's talk about it before we wind us down about mm. the concept of this sentient being, the Boltzmann brain, uh, the nebula that ends up curing in a certain way is a key right just out yeah. there in space this all-knowing entity that's, that's able to pull from a consciousness and to apply a reality i kind of wanted more i kind of wanted a little bit of that discovery treatment where it becomes like a part of a race that does that uh yeah. that'll happen again or are we kind of a victim of a one-off episode structure here i mean it is such a sort of bare explanation um, and it's not an unheard of concept at all. There has always been the idea that maybe consciousness without physicality does exist. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, I mean, going back to the Ju- Judeo-Christian look at, at you know creation and all of that, we usually put it off to some kind of supreme being, some kind of all-powerful being. And, um, you know, I would love more of an explanation of this kind of consciousness because there is a theory that this exists. So to make it just the answer to a question, yeah, I agree with you. It's a little like, eh, I kind of feel like maybe you skimmed that one a little, but it saved our little girl, Rakia. So that's what I wanted. Yeah. So as it is right now, barring something different or changing, there's about two episodes left in the season. Um, I know these two episodes don't seem to be on any course to be part one or part two of anything. Uh, is there anything that you want to see? Is there anything you've seen that you're kind of missing or lacking from the relationships in season one that you want to be addressed in the next two episodes? Well, two episodes. Here's how I would do it. Um, Tell me. There is the great tradition. It was started during The Next Generation 
of there being a two-parter that ends the season. Mm -hmm. So the very final episode of the season is part one, and then the debut of the next season is part two. I would like to see that. I would like for, for us to move forward with the Cybok versus Spock uh, plot. That what would be Stan? interesting. Uh, look, the the really great Stan is going to happen with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock Enterprise uh, amok time. That's primo Stan. If Stan is working behind the scenes, I would be excited. But we can't have confrontations with, with Stan yet. Stan has yet to happen. So the fact that he's around now, I'm kind of happy with that. But but Cybok, who knows what can happen with Cybok? He's, that's an untested idea in this universe, this version of the universe. So who knows? <laughs> Got to give a shout out to our chat. Thank you so much for watching live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn. Did I tell us otherwise? <laughs> Karen Richardson says, uh, we better see Minnie Mimbega again. Her kissing her daddy goodbye, maybe Seriously. cry like a baby. Yep. Mimbega's next shortly better be the no, but no, I've never had kids, and in a barring uh miracle, I won't have any on my own. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, but I bet if I had a child wishing me goodbye like the way she did, I'll probably crying as well. It oh, continues. Man. Uh, I bet James Kirk is in season one finale. I wouldn't pull that trigger personally, but you know what? This show does things fast and loose, baby. We and we know there will be a Kirk. They they have completed season two, I think, and Kirk has been uh, mentioned in that, like the actual handsome James Kirk, not his shifty Weasley brother. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. How, is, do you think it's going to be five seasons of those five years, or do you think it's going to be like more seasons for that years, or did you have to guess? I, I would guess the original plan is five years, and then once you get into like your fifth season, you kind of start adding longer storylines yeah i would not be surprised if strange new world did that i think it could happen organically without people going oh no now you're changing how you're doing they're going to give us i think five seasons of relatively standalone you know adventure episodes but it i would not be surprised if it all trends towards longer storylines that eventually get really involved and that'd be fine that's star trek too Gerald Townsend says, uh, Strange New Worlds has done a good job of putting its own spin on classic tropes. True. Now it's time to come up with some totally unique concepts. And I got to ask you, uh, Captain, that, is that kind of a, a difficult endeavor, being sandwiched between Discovery and those old scientists to come up with something that's unique that doesn't really get a reference you know, elsewhere in other different shows? I, it is... <clears throat> what would I do? What I guess what I, I I guess what I would do is I would try to find everything in the next generation that they feel like they know that is set in stone and then see if I could get these really obscure things that they know about, like, uh, uh, you know, in an upcoming episode on Starbase 80, we're going to be uh, making early reference to the Talarians. Mm -hmm. uh, the Talarians show up uh, twice that I know of in um, uh, TNG, um, they, they know the Tolarians though. They know of them. So like we could run into them as an example, you know, there, yeah. there are little pieces uh, of broken pottery in, uh, next generation that we could back 
you know, engineer, we could reverse engineer and, and see more of what happened then with this or that. Will we see um, Vulcans? Probably not. Will we see Romulans? Most definitely not. So it's probably going to have to be new stuff to address that. And hey, I think we're open to it on this show. Absolutely. And maybe we all praise the Kufmach. The Kufmach. <laughs> it was a real Klingon. Not that crap that Worf is, I tell you. Oh, uh, you and your hatred for Worf. What? Because well, I'm teasing that upcoming episode of Starbase, the ADR sister show, we're going to go through a Worf-centric episode. Was it Heart of Man? Gold of Man? What's it called, John? Heart of Glory. It's Whatever. First <laughs> Klingon story told in the next generation. Very exciting. That's going to be a Star Base City this Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific. It's going to be a pre-recorded episode because I'm still going to be hungover for my birthday party celebrations. Yeah! For a birthday Saturday, baby! Uh, before we get out of here, Captain John, if someone want to hit you up, contact you, be your friend on that interwebs, how they go about doing that? I haven't mentioned this in a long time, uh -oh. but on Twitter, there is at Starbase80, all one word. And, uh, man, Kevin Richardson's joining you on this crusade against Worf. Damn, Flobo. Kevin Richardson says, Worf equals worst father ever. Maybe. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I think it's worth exploring. <laughs> uh, so that's what we'll be doing. I will be running that. You apologist. <laughs> Give you him know. a chance. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then get me talking about my own father and see see how forgiving I am then. Uh, <laughs> I miss you, Dad. Uh, he, he's gone. Uh, and I would say I miss you, Dad, but honestly, I miss you, Dad. Uh, the uh, Yeah, this Sunday we'll be talking about Heart of Glory and giving you a little bit of the story behind the character of Worf. It's not what you may think. You may have some... May have some wrong ideas. You might go might learn something from me and uh, Mr. Boyce. I will be running that video, and so we will uh, be able to get comments up on the screen. Uh, but it will be pre-recorded. And speaking of Father's Day, my second favorite line of the episode was when we get that one angry line from Mbenga that made me go dirt. And he says, I quote, you should not touch my daughter, or I'll bring the might of my kingdom down upon your head. Oh, yeah. I believed that. I put my pants. One thousand percent <laughs> you do not poke the lion and expect the lion to not roar <laughs> commander's log is supposed to be a star trek show we say we talk jokes for an hour and uh, we make sure we get the episode covered on some level we'll be back here next week with episodes nine and then we got to episode 10 where joe towns will be on the season finale can't wait for yes. that Thank you so much for rocking with us. I know there's many, many Star Trek shows out there. You hang with us. Please share the program if you're a fan. Available wherever you stream. And, of course, on that podcast service of choice. Don't follow me. Share the show for this week because I'm going to go get myself Liddy for my birthday, y'all. Uh, <laughs> and don't forget, for his birthday, you can buy Flobo's book, Graduation Day. You can also become one of his patrons on Patreon. That's true. Patreon.com slash boy. It's so weird when someone else promotes it. I don't know. I was like, if you want to, it's uh, patreon.com slash boys, but it's okay. I mean, I want everyone fine. to join me as one of your patrons. It's one of my favorite things. That would be the best birthday present ever. Patreon.com slash voice. We call it the boisterous crew because everyone loves puns. But yeah. until next Thursday, Captain, say the words. You beautiful nerds. L L A P. <laughs>